Okay, this is Gary Meese back again with uh, the case against. We're continuing to look at uh, the West Memphis Three case, drawing on information from uh, books I've written about the case, uh, Blood on Black, Where the Monsters Go, and the case against the West Memphis Three Killers. I had to delay broad, uh, podcasting for a week for uh, had a problem with a cough that kept coming up and I had made several failed attempts so hopefully the, the third time will be the charm on this if not bear with me I'm not going to be coughing in your ear I'll, I'll re, uh, re-record this if necessary Anyway, uh, the chapter is A Bizarre and Unusual Manner. Damien Eccles was first referred to family treatment from the Department of Human Services on May 5, 1992, a year to the day before the murders. The uh, Eccles family was living in Lakeshore, which is a trailer park between Marion and West Memphis, Arkansas. Uh, the referral form, based on allegations from his sister Michelle, stated a uh, child reported her stepfather has been sexually abusing her for a long time. Her mother knows about it, but has done nothing to stop it. Sexual abuse reportedly occurred periodically from age 7 until present. The abuse included fondling. Charges were contingent based on counseling. Contingent on counseling. Uh, according to records from the East Arkansas Regional Mental Health Center in West Memphis, the family was in deep disarray. Gloria Stevenson, the family service worker, reported, It appears the Eccles family has extreme problems related to an ongoing history of sexual abuse, suspected emotions problems, and undefined interpersonal relationship disorders. Mr. Eccles Speaking of this is speaking of Andy Jack Eccles, uh, Damien's stepfather, admits to being overly affectionate with Michelle and to have been charged for indecently exposing himself to an older daughter. However, Mrs. Eccles states that she feels Michelle is lying as she has been skipping school and sexually acting out. Michelle alleges to have had several miscarriages, though the mother denies it. Damien Eccles, on the other hand, holds his adopted father in low regard and feels the allegations are in fact true. Mrs. Eccles states Damien is in need of counseling and evaluation as he feels he is smarter than everyone else and will verbalize this fact. He also reportedly has little regard for others and stated he feels people have no true feeling for each other. Their main purpose is to use and bring harm to others around them. Mrs. Eccles reports that Damien has attempted to fight with her on occasion. That's from the report. Beyond the lack of consensus on reality among the Eccles family, Damien's mother described his persistent grandiosity and a view of reality typical of psychopathic personalities who have little empathy and view others as objects to be used. His mother gave the lie to Damien's ongoing persistent claim that he was not violent as a teenager. She later told caseworkers that she was 
most concerned about her son not dealing with anger and rages. Uh, she mentioned her belief that her son may be responding to outside stimulation, voiced fear, son may be crazy. Besides the family drama, Damien's teenage love life took a histrionic turn. Uh, Dr. George Woods, in his 2001 report on Eccles, said, uh, By the age of 16, Mr. Eccles' depression and hopelessness was written all over his body. He wore black clothes, hair, and nails. His strange, often flat, affect kept him out of step with mainstream life in a small Arkansas town. Yet he found one person, a young girl with problems of her own, whom he felt could understand him. They developed a relationship and became inseparable. Her parents strongly opposed their dating and tried to keep them apart. Desperate to stay together, they planned to go to California. Mr. Eccles' mother, overtaxed with her own problems, did not intervene to keep the troubled teenagers near their parents. Instead, she gave them no more than 10 to $15, the only money she had, as a contribution towards expenses. Eccles and Deanna Holcomb, 15, had broken up earlier that spring at the insistence of her parents. Eccles' violent reaction brought charges of terroristic threatening. Eccles promptly found a new girlfriend, Dominique but continued to pursue Deanna. Finally, Damien and Deanna decided to run away together to California. They didn't get far. The teenagers were reported as runaways on May 19, 1992. Police found them hiding in the closet of an abandoned mobile home at Lakeshore. The teens were partially nude from the waist down, according to the arrest report. Damien and Deanna were both charged initially with burglary and sexual misconduct and taken to the county jail. Juvenile officer Jerry Driver was contacted and the teenage lovers were permanently separated. Eccles shared a different, infinitely more romantic memory of his final encounter with Deanna uh, in a May 14, 1996 letter to future wife Lori Davis as revealed in their totally noxious book of love letters, Yours for Eternity, according to Eccles. When I was 16, I was very much in love. Her name was Deanna. One day we skipped school together. We walked for miles until we found a place that was absolutely beautiful. There were hills and the grass was so full and soft and green, the sky was gray and overcast. We spent hours talking, telling each other things that we had never told another living soul. Our worst fears, our most wished-for dreams, and we made love several times. I never suspected that that would be the last time I ever saw her. There's no way that words can ever do this memory justice, but it's a day that has returned to haunt me every day of my life." End of quote. This pastoral interlude, set amidst the non-existent hills of Crittenden County, was a far cry from the reality of a rainy night in a ramshackle trailer. As he was being held in a police car, Eccles later told a psychiatrist, he witnessed his girlfriend's father coming toward him as she waited uh, with officers. Damien 
quote states, states that he was able to work his fingers loose, moved over, and was able to slip the safety off of the police officer's gun, which had been left in the police vehicle. Damien freely admitted he had plans to shoot the girlfriend's father if he acted in an aggressive manner toward the girl. As part of this, his rich fam, as part of his rich fantasy life, Eccles' thoughts often turned to suicide, to a homicide, and it also turned to suicide too, for that matter. Okay, so, so, so sheriff's department investigators searched the Eccles' home and confiscated a number of items that would show up at his murder trial, including a dog skull that Eccles explained was a decoration for my room, as well as a book of shadows detailing his progress on the Wiccan path. Uh, Dr. Woods wrote, Mr. Eccles was taken to a juvenile facility where he attempted to hang himself. Following their arrest and eventual initial evaluations, both youths were placed in psychiatric hospitals. Uh, Eccles was sent first to the Craighead County Juvenile Detention Center in Jonesboro, and then after he made the suicide threat, he was sent to the East Arkansas Regional Mental Health Center. On May 28, 1992, Eccles was given a, the, a not sure how this name is pronounced, it's M-I-L-L-O-N. I'm gonna say Mion, but it could be Millen, adolescent personality also known as a MAPI test, and the, it's named after a prominent psychiatrist. Um, the, the MAPI is designed especially for teenagers, and the reports of the testing said, the behavior of this youngster is characterized by impulsive hostility, an apprehensive distrust of others, and an edgy defensiveness toward criticism. Fearing that others will dominate and possibly brutalize him, he puts forward a socially blunt and aggressive public posture. He fantasized being all-powerful so as to block others from possessing the means to be belittling and harmful. He believes that only alert vigilance and vigorous Counteraction can prevent the malice of others. Closeness to others, displaying weakness, and a willingness to compromise are seen as fatal concessions. The desire to gain power and demean others stems from, springs from animosity and a wish to vindicate past grievances. Although frequently unsuccessful in these aims, this teenager believes that past degradations may be undone by provoking fear and intimidation in others. He often loses his temper, gets into fights, and acts in a daring fashion. He avoids displaying warmth, gentleness, and intimacy. Defiance and disobedience are rationalized into virtues. Inadequacy and failure are intolerable to him, and blame is quickly projected outward. Disposed to be headstrong and able to inspire discomfort and anger in others, he may, be use, he may use his position in the family to bully young sibs into submission. That's a talent he seems to have put to, to use a, a year later. 
He is rarely able to submerge the memories of past humiliations, and this resentment may break through in impulsive and irrational anger. Cool and distant, this youth demonstrates little or no compassion for others. Viewing their difficulties as the product of their own weaknesses, he is likely to feel no compunction about ignoring their needs and sensitivities. This lack of empathy may lead this youngster to serve only himself, regardless of the consequences for those around him. Among the statements about himself that Eccles designated as true were, It is easy for me to take advantage of people. Punishment never stopped me from doing whatever I wanted. And I have a pretty hot temper. He was diagnosed as adjustment disorder with disturbances of conduct. And he's going to have a number of diagnoses as we go along. It's the, the, Apparently it's not that unusual for different evaluations to come up with different diagnoses. Um, what we don't see is a diagnosis of this is a normal, healthy teenage boy who may be, may be having a few understandable family issues. Anyway, uh, among the therapeutic implications based on the MAPI test, teenager may relate to the clinician in a polite though passive way. Difficulties will be attributed to others who are claimed to be the source of problems. Efforts to be what may be called a good and cooperative patient will be exhibited often even when restraining strong and angry feelings. Dr. Woods reported personnel at East Arkansas Regional Mental Health Center described Mr. Eccles as very disturbed. He was withdrawn, spoke little, and rarely had eye contact with anyone. He stared at the wall or cast his eyes downward. He appeared confused and dressed strangely, all in black, quote, unquote. He was preoccupied with his fingernails, which he filed to points. Concerned about the nature and complexity of his problems, mental health center staff recommended that Mr. Eccles immediately be involuntarily committed to Charter Hospital in Little Rock for more extensive evaluation and treatment. Um, that's the end of Dr. Wood's statement here. Uh, a request for service dated June 1st, 1992, recorded a threat to hang himself while in custody. The intake sheet noted that Damien and Deanna had a pact to commit suicide if they could not be together and that Damien was continuing to express suicidal thoughts, voicing plans to use a sheet to hang himself. Damien admitted to the suicide plan. Um, it would have been necessary if her parents would not let us see each other. That's how he's quoted. Uh, driver had Eccles admitted to Charter Hospital in Little Rock for a month-long stay. Admission papers noted... He has a history of extreme physical aggression toward others. Criteria for the emergency admission included, one, fire-setting behavior by history, uh, two, potential, damage, potential danger to property, three, excessive irritability and anger that is potentially dangerous and persistent, four, involvement in bizarre and unusual behavior. A case file from June 1st reported that Eccles quote, admits to have 
having been suspended seven times this past semester for inciting fights at school, starting small fires, cussing. States in one fight, he almost gouged out the victim's eyes. Uh, and then we're speaking of Sh Shane Dibblebiss, uh, an attack on Shane Dibblebiss in the school hallway. And Danny had gone out with uh, Shane Dibblebiss uh, immediately after breaking up with uh, Eccles, but before the, they ran away together. In other words, they, got, they broke up, got back to, they broke up. Eccles uh, apparently had had uh, found Dominie as a girlfriend. Deanna had latched up with uh, Shane Devilbiss, uh, prompting Eccles to attack Devilbiss. Uh, I go into this attack in, in more detail later, and with he had his fingernails filed to points, inch and a half points, uh, tried to claw the, the boy's eyes. Then uh, after all, all that happened, uh, Damien and Deanna got back together for the uh, abortive runaway attempt. Uh, uh, anyway, a report on June 2nd stated, he has been suspended seven times due to negative behaviors in the classroom. Information does suggest that Damien has set fire to his academic classroom on two occasions, that he has also been truant, engaged in physical confrontations while on school grounds, and has oftentimes threatened to put hexes on school instructors. Eccles admitted to being a practicing warlock while denying devil worshipped. He had a blood brother with whom he exchanged blood, and, uh, and Damien said he had one friend, quote, a friend is someone who would die for you. Everyone else is only interested in themselves and what they want. And of course, as we all know, this blood brother was um, almost certainly Jason Baldwin. Deanna was also admitted for mental treatment at Mid-South Mental Health. Eccles had been scheduled to go there, but because his girlfriend was there, he had been sent to charter. Concerning allegations about abuse in his family, D Damien denied he had been abused, an assertion strongly questioned. He denied feeling violent, saying he saw fighting as a release. Quote, sometimes I have to do this not because of feeling angry, sometimes I'm confused. End of quote. On the home front, Jack Eccles was gone, and Pam Eccles had reunited with Joe Hutchinson after little or no contact over the past seven years. Damien admitted to using drugs, including speed, over a month ago. Glory Shettles, attorney work project for the Eccles murder defense, quoted the charter records, and Gloria Shettles, Shettles was... Uh, Working for she was working for Ron Lax's Inquisitor Incorporated, who, who Lax had volunteered his services uh, to help out the defense. And of course, then after he'd done quite a bit of work, presented a bill to, expecting to get paid for his work. But anyway, uh, to quote uh, Miss Shettles, 
information from detention center, Damien and girlfriend to have baby and sacrifice it. Damien denies this, says he is involved in witchcraft, not Satanism, alleged to have chased younger child with an axe and attempted to set house on fire. Damien denies this, states girlfriend's family wants him in trouble, admits to violence, suspensions and disruptive at school, has heart problems, asthma, bronchitis, and migraine headaches. All those problems are really good if you're trying to get some attention. which seems to be, you know, I think he probably did have some allergy problems and so forth. May have had asthma. But, uh, you know, he also seems to have been something of a hypochondriac, uh, which is a great way to get attention. Uh, Damien also underwent a psychological evaluation. He also explained his name change. He, is, he repeatedly has denied that Damien was the name Damien was inspired by the diabolical child of the 1970s hit movie The Omen, instead claiming he took the name from a Catholic priest who worked with lepers. The name was shared by one of the main characters in, in The Exorcist. A character in that book explains, quote, it was the name of a priest who devoted his life to taking care of lepers on the island of Molokai. He finally caught the disease himself. Among the books found in, that's the end of quote, uh, uh, among the books found in Eccles' room at the time of arrest was a copy of The Exorcist. And I'll be the first to concede that uh, having a copy of The Exorcist in your home is hardly a, a worthy of, uh, it's hardly unusual. It was, it was a best-selling book and it was around for years and uh, particularly in Damien's case with the t reading taste that he had, it'd be, almost be surprising if he didn't have the book in his home. I'm going to suggest that he, that he read the book, saw the passage in there about the Father, Father Michael in Hawaii who treated lepers and decided it was a cool name and maybe partially he had that opinion partially because of the Omen movie where the, the character, the son of Satan um, character is also named Damien. I, I, we know that Eccles watched horror movies with his parents. That's among his fond childhood memories, staying up late with his dad watching horror movies. Anyway, uh, Eccles later testified in his trial, I was very involved in the Catholic Church, and we were going over the different names of the saints. St. Michael's was where I went to church at, which is true. And we heard about this guy from the Hawaiian Isles, Father Damien, that took care of lepers until he finally caught the disease himself and died. Unquote. Eccles said that that was the reason he chose the name, and it 
it, quote, had nothing whatsoever, unquote, to do with horror movies, Satanism, cultism, anything of that name, nature. And I guess you could take Damien's word for it, but he is a notorious liar, so who knows. Progress notes at Charter indicated depression and bizarre behavior, but, but that Eccles was making progress. Eccles was described, prescribed uh, amipramine at 50 uh, milligrams on June 5th, increased 100 on June 12th. Psychological testing by Lewis F. Bracey, who has a PhD, on June 8th showed that Damien was depressed and did not trust others, but was not psychotic. The psychological report revealed that Eccles had a verbal IQ of 101, a thoroughly average score. I mean, it's almost textbook, but an absolutely average score would be 100. Eccles has claimed within the last year or two that he has a genius level IQ. Draw your own conclusions from this. Uh, I don't think he's stupid. I think he's got a quick mind for certain things. Uh, I see no evidence of genius in anything he's done, except for, uh, he, except maybe a genius for somehow getting away with horrific murder, if you can call it that. If you can call what he's done, where, what he is today, getting away with it. Uh, in a certain sense, perhaps he would always have gotten away with it since if you feel no guilt, no shame, and me maybe in probably even take a certain pride in what you've accomplished, though you may not ex feel free to express that. It's questionable how much punishment you actually feel as a result of the deed. Though I'm sure he felt he was being unfairly... he clearly felt he was being unfairly um, picked out of the crowd. Uh, and in a you know in a replication of the Salem witch trials, which is another joke because he was wearing black t-shirt. you know I sort of hate keep harping on this, but the, the, it does show up in the press reports because he wore black t-shirts and listened to Metallica. Give me a break once again. Bracey's battery of tests now found no evidence of psychosis, but the possibility of a thought disorder. The most prominent finding is that he has a rather strong depression process going on and has real difficulty making contact with people. The diagnosis, again a little different from what was said earlier, uh, depressive disorder and bipolar disorder. The assessment of his art produced in the psychological testing could be applied to his current projects. Well, he's, he's dropped the, the, his career as an artist, but he was he still will be happy to sell you prints at, at grossly inflated prices. But uh, I, I can say what the assess the psychological assessment of his art back in 1992 could be applied to be applied to his projects 
of the last few years. And let's quote, Damien's drawings reflect rather impoverished, empty-appearing figures. They lack enrichment, color, life, and emotion. They appear to be primarily depressive, helpless, and in poor contact with reality. He appears to be a very concretist, concretistic person who is arrested in his imaginative function. He would be expected to see things in a rather simplistic, overly constrictive manner. Really, that that's, sums up Damien in a nutshell. He latched on to golden dawn magic in his preteen years, and he's, it explains everything. It gives him an excuse not to do anything. Based on a Minnesota multiphasic personality disorder exam, otherwise known as the MMPI, Eccles was given preliminary diagnoses of schizophrenia, disorganized type, paranoid and catalytic types also possible, and bipolar disorder, manic. You can see we're getting different diagnoses as, as we move along based on these different tests. But none of them give him a clean bill of health. Uh, it was noted, these persons spend much time, based on the MMPI, these persons spend much time in personal fantasy and daydreaming, often with themes of sex or power. Dr. Wood's affidavit from 2001 described Echo's first trip to Charter in detail, much of which was echoed in trial records. This is from the affidavit. Um, Mr. Echo's was provisionally diagnosed with major depressive disorder, single episode, and medicated with amipramine, an antidepressant drug. The staff psychiatrist who conducted a mental status exam upon admission described the 17-year-old as cooperative and polite with an odd stare and flat affect. The psychiatrist had major concerns that this young man was exhibiting disturbed, bizarre, and unusual thinking. Dr. Woods continued, uh, Mr. Eccles' delusional thinking was evident throughout his hospitalization. He explained that he had no feelings about suicide. He thought he thought he could be reincarnated. He indicated to others he thought he possessed special powers. A social worker reported Mr. Eccles appeared to be sniffing the air around him as if he were responding to an external stimulus. He smiled inappropriately and cut his eyes in one direction or the other, as if he were hearing or thinking of something before he spoke. The social worker concluded he was responding to an outside stimulation and may have been experiencing auditory hallucinations. Visual hallucinations also may have been present. Mr. Eccles said he thought the furniture in the psychiatric unit was causing blurred vision. You know, which is very much in line with his comments about, you know, the wind through the grass makes his teeth hurt, this sort of ridiculous, overly sensitive, and bizarre thought impressions that he feels free to share all the time. 
Uh, Mr. Eccles exhibited a bizarre and unusual manner of adjustment to the psychiatric unit that was also reflected in his bizarre and unusual thinking pattern. He was preoccupied with witchcraft, but consistently denied any involvement with satanic worship. He was observed meditating in his room in a bizarre and unusual fashion, wrote some very unusual poems, and remained on the peripheral of the group throughout his hospitalization. He made unusual and bizarre sounds with his mouth that sounded like a cat purr. He had trouble making eye contact and was quite paranoid. He told staff there were surveillance cameras behind his mirror and under his desk and cautioned other adolescents patients that the staff were constantly watching them. The hospital staff observed him sitting and rocking methodically back and forth, daydreaming and staring into space. When interrupted, he appeared startled. He wanted to calm down and said he was feeling jittery internally. Hospital staff noted he showed no aggressive behavior in the hospital. Mr. Eccles' behavior demonstrated a pervasively depressed mood throughout most of his hospitalization. He withdrew from family and friends, had a sad facial expression, and spent long intervals alone. He lost interest in eating, had difficulty going to sleep, and planned ways to commit suicide. He repeatedly thought about wrapping the sheet from his bed around his neck and trying to hang himself. Uh, Mr. Eccles' psychiatric care was interrupted by his parents, who removed him from the hospital June 25, 1992, and moved to Oregon. His discharge diagnosis was major depression, single episode dysthymia, which is kind of chronic, uh, low-grade depression, and psychotic disorder not otherwise specified. He was instructed to continue taking 150 milligrams of amipramine daily. Okay, that's the end of Dr. Wood's report for now. Oh, well, I'll get back into it. Uh, Jerry Driver was designated to monitor Eccles. Um, and back to Wood's report. Family indicated they were moving to Denver, Colorado. Prosecuting attorney was in agreement with Damien leaving the state, not felt to be a danger to himself or to, an, or to others per doctor. Uh, Eccles apparently did not leave the state until weeks later. It was, he was referred again to charter on July 24th for a screening. That intake report noted, dresses all in black, t-shirt, slacks, and shoes, wear small gold cross stud earring and left ear, Nails are clean and filed to points. Damien presented himself as intelligent, generally honest, calm, and coherent, expressing mostly his desire to be with his girlfriend. He denied feeling angry or depressed, but appears depressed. Voices apathy, blunt, blunt affect. Damien admitted to the suicide pact, quote, it can go either way now. A uh, question of satanic involvement still lingered. Quote, extremely dysfunctional family, however. Unquote. With Damien diagnosed with major depression, dysthymia, and a 
conduct disorder, the preliminary treatment plan was for a resumption of hospitalization due to suicidal thoughts and a range of other issues. But the case was closed because of his plans to, parents' plans to move. Woods described Damien's patterns of continued drug use. Mr. Eccles' mental illness did not improve after his hospitalization. He remained in excruciating emotional pain, betrayed by his mind and body. The world was an unsafe, unpredictable maze from which he desperately looked for an escape. He finally found relief in his own form of medication. He instinctively turned to inhalants and began huffing gasoline. He thought he had invented it. Later, he tried marijuana a few times before his arrest, but it did, not become a, it did not become a habit. He also used the medication prescribed for his migraine headaches, Midrin, as a means of tolerating stress and fear of attending school. Unable to outrun his terror, he withdrew from school in the ninth grade and tried to insulate himself from the external pressures that contributed to his mental illness, unquote. Moving to Oregon would provide no relief. We'll go into that next time. Uh, I managed to, despite some throat tickling and so forth, I managed to get through this without having a big coughing fit, so that's good. Um, I'll say briefly that uh, the conclusion of the uh, HBO series True Detective Season 3 started out looking like it might be some sort of reworking of the West Memphis 3 case. And, of course, by the end, it had, no, had virtually no resemblance to it at all. Um, and I have thoughts about... Uh, I had a thought about the series, which was it was sort of a... Uh, comment on what the the difference between perception and reality and and that people have this idea all th throughout the series about certain things are going to happen certain things this happened this way this happened this way this happened this way and none of it exactly conformed to reality um a common complaint uh, And that I've heard voice a number of times and I per personally have experienced it is that um, you know you talk to a, a journalist or a reporter and you think you're, you think you think your side your, your at least your side of the story will be somewhat fairly represented and it turns out that it's a total it, they had totally misunderstood everything the whole thing they may even have the facts right but they totally misunderstood the whole situation. Um, Terry Hobbs has a book coming out. Uh, his cousin Vicki Edwards wrote the book, and she's a pretty good writer. It's not it's not poorly written. Maybe I may be damning with faint praise there. It's it's pretty well written considering she doesn't. I mean, she's not a professional writer or anything, but it's, it's quite readable. And, um, uh, obviously, you know, talked about how 
he just can't he experienced this where he just can't believe he'll tell reporters one thing and then when he reads reads this he's where did you get all this where did this your information come from because it certainly didn't come from me and it certainly doesn't reflect what I told you and uh, I'll as somebody who worked in the newspaper business for a long time I will say that reporters generally at least in the past at least trying to fairly represent the various points of view and give at least uh, within as, as much as was possible give you know the facts the facts as, as they were known uh, probably didn't get it right in many cases uh, and I say that with yeah they got all they got everything right but what really happened and why it happened um, I'm fully aware there's confirmation bias in my view of the West Memphis three case. Uh, I, I, you know, the more I look into the case, the more I, the more more guilty, all three of them look. Uh, I, I realize other people don't see it that way. There's quite a, you know, it, it, get, it, it can get quite ugly out there if you say that you think the West Memphis Three are guilty. And the fact is, is uh, it's not hard to, it's not hard to, if you don't know a lot about the facts, if you simply just ignore all the facts in the case, it's not hard to come up with the idea that they're, they're innocent. Okay, I coughed. I'm through. I'm through. I've been holding back on a cough for an hour or so. So anyway, um, that's enough for this week. Maybe a little short. Uh, I went straight to reading and d didn't do a whole lot else. Uh, but I, I'm glad I finally got this in, and I hope to get back on a regular schedule uh, roughly once a week putting this out. Anyway, thank you for your time. This is Gary Meese, and I'm uh, signing off from the case against. <laughs>